the red flag flying here. Hello and welcome to Socialist Nightlife on Socialist Think Tank. Um, we are here tonight with uh, some special guests and we will tell you who those are in a second. We are currently waiting on one of them to turn up, but time waits for no one, even the People's Assembly. So um, hopefully you will recognise the people on the screen in front of you or if you've just seen us for the first time. I'm Paul Daly. Um, Laura, would you like to say hello? Hello, I'm Laura. Nice to see everyone. Hello. Hope everyone's having a good Saturday. And also we've got Chantelle Lunt, who um, is now becoming a bit of a regular on Socialist Think Tank. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Did you enjoy last week while we were all together on the, um, with with the World Transformed? Oh, it was amazing. Reporter? I was. It was the most fun ever. Um, we did our Roven reports. He uses an amazing panel um, with Sasha, and it was just fantastic. And JC, JC was on your panel, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> JC was everywhere. I was like, Sasha was amazing. Um, JC was there too. And then we got that lovely tag in the festival afterwards. That's. Um... That's that's very socialist think tank, by the way, to to be like, oh yeah, and there happened to be Jeremy Corbyn there, but like you know, he's he's not really the story. It's other people, <laughs> you know. That's that's definitely the way we are. Um, so yeah, it was really good, and and thank you so much for doing it as well. Like you just turned up and you were like, oh, what what can I do? And we're like, well, Roving Reporter, if you want, yeah, I'll do that. You were you're amazing at it, having never done it before, and just learned what Discord was. So well done. <laughs> it was great baptism of fire <laughs> <laughs> so um tonight we're going to be talking about a few different things i'm sure we'll like uh, be bringing a few of the issues up that we've seen this week some of the i think there are some ones that have really uh, struck us as socialists this week but we're also going to be talking about the people's assembly and uh the tory party conference which is coming up I don't know. I don't know if we can get it going, but I was thinking we could call it elitist jamboree because, like, given the world transformed last week was trot jamboree. Well, they're mm. elitists, so um, I know maybe maybe it's not being used ironically enough. You know, elitist jamboree. It um, it's a, where is it? Manchester, isn't it? It is in Manchester. Um, I, I don't know why they choose Manchester though. Like, I don't know if anyone knows why, but I find this strange. It's because they've got a really big conference venue. Okay. That's, that's why. There's only like a certain number of cities in the country that actually have the, the conference and facilities to, yeah. like, we know this because we try and arrange them for a trade union and there's like, Birmingham, Birmingham's big enough and there's a few places in London there's one in Manchester, and it makes them look like they're coming up north. Oh, look at us. We're we're up north, 200 miles further north. That's where we are. So um, <laughs> we're not even close to Scotland, do you? So, um, yeah, that, that, I think that's why they do it anyway. Um, right, so you're involved as well, aren't you? You're going to be doing something. We'll come to this later, so just give us a brief description of your, your involvement in it tomorrow. Um, so I'm speaking tomorrow on the main stage at the end after the rally and then on Tuesday I am speaking on two panels. One is women in activism or rebel women as they've called us. 
Um, and the other one is all about Priti Patel and the police crime sentence and a court bill. And then I'm doing a speech between those panels and taking the knee. Um, and that was on Tuesday. So busy. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be well prepped for those ones. And I think topics related to those are going to be coming up tonight. So um, I'm sure that you're well prepped for those ones. Um, and Laura, have you made a decision on whether or not you're going down or has illness taken you? I haven't made a decision yet. I'm waiting to see how um, doing this show uh, under extreme exhaustion <laughs> makes me feel by tomorrow morning. I do have a lift. I'm getting picked up at eight o'clock in the morning if I am well to come down and do a few interviews and things. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on making that judgment call until a little bit later, though. Um, I might go, but standing in the rain for hours doesn't really lend itself to... <laughs> to not feeling very well I don't think so we'll see we'll see it's not COVID though I've done tests just for the people who are giving me a lift to Manchester <laughs> Chantel just gave me some really um fun information there um you know the, those those tests only work when you've got like extreme symptoms is that right what you were saying before? yeah someone told me so when I had COVID my COVID test I tested every day like I was going to stuff every day and I was testing I was like I think that like I had headaches was with COVID all the laugh loads were coming up negative and then on the day that I didn't PCR it came up positive straight away and someone basically said wherever the like COVID virus is the PCR test picks up on it better than the laugh flow and the laugh flow will pick up on, on it when you've got symptoms and a little bit later on um so even on the day that I was coming up positive on the PCR the laugh flow was still coming up negative and I was like what's going on there um but it mm. came up positive like three days later so someone said the PCR is always better it's almost as if they made us take those lateral flow tests to force us to go back to work when we weren't. Mm. Um, yeah, it's almost as if Funny that, that, they wouldn't it? do that, would they? They wouldn't yeah. have just completely lied to the entire country and like paid some of the mates for some duff equipment. That's the, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh God, there's going to be people around the world who are thinking that they're, oh, they, they really mustn't, they, they might not get the sarcasm there. That is sarcasm. <laughs> that is literally what our government have done. They have literally like made their donors much more rich by choosing them and got substandard equipment. That doesn't work, such as a test and trace um, a test and trace package that doesn't work and cost many, many billions and will continue to, to cost billions into the future. Was it 32? Something like that. You know, islands cost 5 million. Um, so I don't really understand what's going on there, but we are being absolutely um, ripped off by our government. Um, we've got a few comments coming in. Uh, elitist Jamboree is going to be a thing. People are going to try and get a trend in, so that would be nice. Elitist yes. Jamboree for the weekend. <laughs> And also the um, cat crew also wants Tories are scum there. Um, she said that quite a bit on Tuesday, didn't she? Um, and look after yourself, Laura, from a few different people as well. Get well soon and stuff. Neil's saying it's the, it doesn't rain in Manchester. It's the gods crying because the Tories are in town. Um, <laughs> and your mum wishing you feel better. You get well too, too soon, Catherine. Thanks, mum. You yeah. too. Mom's not well. She's not doing well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh and yeah and um jane saying we had lorries backed up in dover last year as france wouldn't accept the lateral flow test results and needed pcr tests fair enough um yeah yeah good and mia's had a um covid jab this week and didn't have any nasty side effects so 
that's nice. Uh, nice to hear. <laughs> so this week we've had some um, really strange things happening. So I'm going to start off ask by asking Laura if Cressida is a dick. <laughs> oh my god yeah okay uh i assume you're talking about how now if we get stopped by a police officer we need to if we're not sure we need to either ring the police to check or flag a bus down to save us um which i think is you know solid solid advice who wouldn't want to do that you know in a dark street well i'm sure there are See, this is another issue as well. If the Tories sorted out uh, public transport, we might be in a position to do that. But up here, there's hardly any buses anyway. So what we're going to do, <laughs> we just left, you know. It's just absolutely pathetic. Um, obviously, I'm making light of it there, but it's really not funny. It's terrifying that uh, once again, um, every single time something happens, uh, us women are the ones who have to find a way for, to make it not happen. <laughs> it's all down to us to to fix things as per usual, and it's uh, it's really scary. And um, also this whole narrative of how Wayne Cousins was one bad apple, and uh, can you, you know just you like, can really just in case like or someone's been living under a rock or someone lives in a different country. This is um, Wayne Cousins's. Wayne Cousins is the now convicted murderer of Sarah Everard, who um, it turns out had um, arrested Sarah on the night that he, he'd planned it all as well. He like I had honestly the stuff that's come out this week. He'd he'd, he'd hired a car. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Um, he'd arrested her under the false pretense that she was breaking COVID laws, um, and of course. You know what? What? What do you do aside from flagging a bus? If you try and get away, then it's resisting arrest. So what do you do? Um, so yeah, she's she, he has now been sent away for life. Um, he's a police officer, um, and and it's just caused. Well, actually, one good thing to come out of it all is that it is raising the the status of this conversation that has been being had for a long time, which is you know is the uh, met police or the police force in general um misogynistic and um is it are they really are their interests to keep us safe and honestly i think i just think it's it's really scary that the uh, the amount of reports that come in um about police officers and the amount of those police officers who are still active in the police force, still doing their job while under investigation. I mean, the argument is that um, Wayne Cousins shouldn't have been on duty anyway. He had so many red flags and was being investigated for um, flashing and things like that. He shouldn't have been working as a police officer. Um, and now, yeah, so it's obviously this whole thing started. Now they're saying if somebody does try to arrest you for something and you're not quite sure, flag down a bus just to make sure that everything's okay. Um, it's a pathetic Well, the bus response. is not really running then anyway. And and oh, what's a bus going to do? Like, and has anyone ever tried to flag a bus down that's not at the stop? Like, that bus isn't stopping for you, do you know what I mean? And what kind of position is that putting the bus drivers in as well, you know? So the bus drivers are the police of the police now. Yeah. So yes. the police don't... Uh, this isn't a problem with the police. This is like inadequate policing of the police by bus drivers. 
is th- is that where we're going with this? Like this is. I mean, I wonder if the bus drivers were informed though, or the bus drivers just woke up suddenly with all these extra responsibilities, like guardians of women, just like if I see a woman flagging me down with a police officer, and come on. If a bus driver gets flagged down and there's a police officer there, the police officer's going to go, it's all right, fella. And the bus driver's going to carry on because the police officer has a warrant badge. So in all of these scenarios, the police officer can produce a warrant card and can vouch for themselves and people will move on. So it's it's like, well, the bit that makes me laugh is like the police, um, for those who don't know, I used to be a police officer, the fact that the police have like whole departments and like they're a bit like politicians. They have people whose whole job it is to make them look good. PR departments, people who write speeches, people who write statements. They've known this was coming for six months. They've known, I mean, anyone who was watching knew he was going to get arrested. We didn't obviously know the details, but they knew this. And the best that they could come up with was flag a bus down if you're scared, love. Like, what on it? Do you know what I mean? Is it? Do you think it's one of those things where they've done it so that like you can say the most stupid thing to stop people talking about the important thing? Like the the, the real answer is there. We have no answers. It appears that the Met is is corrupt. That's what it appears from like you know the the way this story is. What what's coming out from the story? Are they trying to detract from that and say no? And, and trying to say like the Met is silly or something, or the Met have silly suggestions, or or Cressida Dick has silly suggestions. Is this a, some sort of a, a weird way of diverting attention? Possibly it could be, and the, the, I think as well for me the idea that it's just the Met is like no, it's it's the whole every police force. I worked in Merseyside Police. I've recently put a video out that I reported when Sarah Everard had recently been murdered, but I just didn't post it because I was really upset about like my experiences in the police force. Um, obviously, I'm not going to go into them today, but just that kind of toxic, misogynistic culture, that is, that's throughout policing. And the way they said that they had that nickname for this guy is that, you know, the rapey one. And we all have this banter around us, you know, kind of predatory nature. That's in every police force. Every officer knows an officer who we've been told not to be alone with. Every officer knows an officer who's been moved for harassing women. Every officer knows an officer who will try and touch your leg if you're in the car with them. That's not just the myth, that's policing culture. And every officer knows that the police will do nothing about those officers unless they do something seriously wrong. So the ones I know who've been disciplined will have multiple complaints coming or they've been caught on camera or there's no way of getting them out of it. But the police's first instinct is always to protect those officers who have those accusations. And that's because there's a culture within policing where it's fine to be like that. It's fine to abuse your colleagues. It's fine to abuse women. And it's something that men laugh about when we go into the staff rooms. Like, I would love for people to see what the back rooms of a police station look like because it's like, I never even seen behaviour like that in school. It's it's horrendous. It's like sexualised and it's disgraceful. But they'll never come out and admit it because the problem is endemic and they have to, like, literally fix it from the floor upwards within police in So like Laura, you were you were mentioning um to me earlier on about there was a there was a woman police officer who who said very similar to what Chantal said, not not quite as scary, but about how there's a culture of fear of reporting in case something bad happens. What 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 was that about? Yeah, it was um do you know I forget my name now, but she's she's um, she's come out a couple of times on, on things like Navarra Media. I've interviewed her. Um, uh, um, she was on the Woman's Hour as well, I think, recently. Um, and she's she's basically trying to highlight what's going on and just saying, you know, women 
do feel like they can't report things within the police force. So female police officers um, kind of just have to keep their mouth shut and get on with it for fear of the men closing ranks on them. Um, you know, they all back each other up if anything was to happen. Um, and she was asked directly, are you talking about yourself? Have you had things happen to you? And she says, well, yeah, but I've never reported them. I've just had to deal with it myself. Um, and that in itself is just within a workplace is just unacceptable. Um, and for people who are, you know, supposed, supposedly there to protect us, it's just it's just unforgivable. And, and the, seriously, it's like there just needs to be so much more done. I, I can't even like Chantel said it's um, from the bottom up, the whole it's just rotten to the core. And I've realised positions of power like um, like the police do lend themselves to people who want to be in power rather than people who want to help. Um, but there needs to be some sort of better vetting. There needs to be some um, some action taken when when there are reports. You know, like like we've said, Wayne Cousins was known as the rapist, and. He was still at work, even after flashing in a McDonald's. He was still at work. People were laughing about it. We know people, um, you know, I don't know if, if people have listened to the piece we did. Um, we did a podcast um, on a lady who's involved in the super complaint. Her husband is a police officer and he, you know, beat the crap out of her. He's raped her. He's used the, their child against her. And he's still at work you know, and he still routinely visits the house um, and his friends all back him up. And so she calls the police on him. They just go, oh, this is domestic love. You need to sort it out yourself. Um, it's, it's just, it's, there are not enough words to describe how pathetic and how much they're letting people down. Um, it really, really needs sorting out. Somebody needs to take proper action here because you can't, it's it's not a good enough excuse now just to kind of look after each other and look after yourselves you know that they're, they're in a position of power they're supposedly in a position of trust and they're not they're not looking after anybody except themselves and it's it's pathetic and scary and I can entirely see why um you know I worry that if something ever happened to my kids that they would <laughs> run to a police officer sometimes I'm like well surely they're the people we want to encourage our children to go to if there's something wrong you go and find the police but now I'm like do we do we do that <laughs> find a bus driver just, you'll be safer find a bus driver yeah. <laughs> don't tell them, mate, go, <sighs> go flag a bus down kids <laughs> your, your reaction as well to that Chantel about like I wonder if the bus driver's union you know, I wonder if they're thinking, oh, God, well, what kind of training is there going to be for us to be like the, the overseeing eye of the police force? You know, I, you know, if there's a dodgy copper, it's um, it's shocking, really. One one person I was speaking to lately, we we're talking about rape. This was um, just a conversation with a, a person in the, in the gym, funnily enough. And uh, we we're talking about, he was suggesting that they should just be if anyone is sexually assaulted, raped or anything like that, um, aside from this, like n not really related to this case, but in general, sexual assaults and stuff, that should be reported to someone other than the police. And it should be reported to a different body who whose first interest are looking after that person. Um, because we have look, quite a few rape charities and um, that work with women and 
who women don't women find this like uh, more intrusive and and worse to go through the case in court than some of them find it more traumatic than the actual rape itself you know they they they're the kind of reports we're getting from our justice system that's not a justice system is it so like would that be something that could be implemented would that be something that uh you know, would be useful for people to have an external body that looked into crimes like that, that weren't actually the police, weren't there to prosecute, but were there to deal with the original crimes? I don't think that's necessarily a a bad idea, but again, it's taking the responsibility away from the police whose job it is to do this properly. Um, I can't mention there that historically the police were set up to look after, you know, big interests and and I, I get that I, I see that more and more now <laughs> it's not really like that's still true um but they you know on paper that's what they should be doing that's their job and we need to hold them to account and make sure they're doing it but yes you're right the um, the woman's banner group would trying to do a piece of work at the minute on this very topic and the people we've spoken to who have been attacked said that very thing that they'd much rather go through the attack again than go through the process of reporting it and being investigated because it was so traumatic and upsetting and they were looked at with suspicion um so yeah as a as an interim until we get the police force and the justice system sorted that that might be something to look to look at i think that wouldn't be a bad thing at all Definitely. And uh, there's a few organisations that do do it, because obviously the dark figure of crime is the term used to capture crimes that don't get reported, A, because people don't have trust in the police, B, because, you know, people are too scared, or C, because they just don't want to report it. So there's, I'll have to find the name of the charity, but there are charities who do alternative reporting for specific crimes, I hate crime, you know, marginalised communities who really dislike the police, but they want to have that data there. But I think if anything, if you had an alternative report and kind of framework, that would show how many people have lost trust in the in the police. So imagine your alternative report and framework had more complaints than the police were getting. That would show, you know, how many people are being missed. Because if you think, look at the way black women or protesters who are female are treated by the police quite violently, quite often to make a statement. What if those people are then abused or harmed? Are they going to go to the police? Probably not. Where are they going to go? nowhere the crime doesn't get reported but they're still vulnerable and they're still victims so I think it's really important that there's an alternative framework especially because there's a lot of people especially women at the moment who are just up there like I wouldn't go to the police like I would never go to the police for the crime and very rarely sometimes I point things out to them just to show them but I know exactly what their response would be to me as an activist so I'm like why would I put myself through that but then what who do I then report crimes to bus drivers yeah it's bus drivers they're the heroes of the day they're basically the superheroes of the real world um so Mia said uh, the whole criminal justice system needs a radical overhaul if the police was less authoritarian and focused more on actual crime prevention than just retribution it would attract fewer of the wrong sort of people to the police force those who like power like the authoritarianism it's a pretty fair comment i imagine There's been studies that show, and I, I'll have to find this study, I read it when I was doing my um, degree, and it basically showed that the police are more likely to recruit people with bullying and narcissistic tendencies that reflect their own. 
So you've got like these narcissistic dominant personalities who then see that in the people they recruit and then just bring them into the force. So you're more likely to actually get in if you're like a narcissist and you're like this, you know, you've got a bully of personality and that's where you'll like I've honestly never seen so many really kind of dangerous people who I know I've never socialized with than in the police force. And quite often I'll talk to people about what the police force is like and they're like, I've never like known that in any other workplace. And I'm like, I've, I've literally worked in all 20 places and I've never known a workplace like you. It's a, it's a strange place to work. And quite a lot of the time, senior officers will, will rationalise it because police officers deal with a lot. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a stressful job. It's a traumatic job. There's more acceptance of officers. So it's like, they've got to blow off steam. So they'll let officers get away with a lot. And that's where that kind of really toxic misogynistic culture is just overlooked by officers because it's like, oh, it's just boys being boys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that's just the police or do you think that's... Because I think there's a whole societal thing, like the whole way our society is structured, um, it encourages the wrong type of people to get to the top of, like, like I see that in teaching and I'm not saying... Well, I've seen some really, really strange things occur in senior leadership teams, like, you know... They'd, I, I was at a school where they laid off a load of um, they laid off a load of cleaners and on the same day bought themselves uh, iPhone 10s when they were the brand new phone like the lit for the leadership team for the core leadership team and um, you know there's there's other things that I can't necessarily mention that are, that are more related to what I'm talking about but that idea of authoritarianism and just being able to do what they want and people who um, I think our society kind of rewards the wrong type of thing. It rewards the wrong type of person for a start. It rewards people who are really, really self-serving, who do everything they can to get ahead themselves. And it also rewards people who are willing to lie and are willing to make things up because it's accepted. It's like, oh, everyone lies on the CV. I don't, I don't. Everyone lies in interviews. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm painfully honest in interviews. I'm awful. People have laughed at things I've said in interviews. Like, oh, most people don't say things like that. And it's like, well, just be honest. Like, that shouldn't be part of our culture. Everyone lies in an interview. You should go in for an interview for a job. And it should be a bit of a mutual thing. Like, do we want to work together? Do, do we want? Do I want to work in this place? But there's that power dynamic. And if you want to be the person on the other side deciding, like, who who is going to be responsible, who's going to work there, then you know, you're going to have to be a bit dodgy and a, and lie a little bit. And, you know, is is that what's going on in the police or is it something much more deep and dark than that? It's, I honestly just think it's it's darker than that, honestly. Like, I've worked in places with people who, you know, cut through to get to the top. But in the police, it's sinister. And, like, there's just... I could tell you stories, but I won't. But it's just, like you will see people behaving in ways that you're just like, oh my goodness, like how is the hell people getting away with this? And it's because that for me, it's the blue wall of silence. So you call it the blue wall of silence. It's basically officers will never tell on other officers. Like I told on other officers and was completely ostracized. But the key kind of incident for me was those officers standing up in court and vouching for them in the murder trial where he's admitted that he had murdered her and they're standing up and giving him character references. Even with Derek Chauvin, when he murdered George Floyd, his colleagues stood in court and said he's a horror, like we want him going down for the like longest amount of time. He does not represent the police force, but our police force is so insidious. You've got officers, even after he's admitted that he's murdered and he's just standing trial for it. 
going, oh, he's a good fella, he's just misunderstood. And I'm like, what? How are you giving this man a character reference? Like, how is that? You know, and for me, every single one of those officers who've given him a character reference, they need to go. Because yeah. what is their perception of a person? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone who calls him the rapist, and everyone who overlooked one of every single one of them connected to him, who overlooked a misdeed, who hears a complaint, they need to go because they're part of the problem, and that's the issue. There's officers who will overlook things and he will look the other way again and again and again. And they're the ones who have to go because we'll be just waiting for the one who's going to rape or murder someone and then go, oh, oh dear. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I think people are like, I've been saying this for years and years and years and I've just got into saying it quite mildly because people don't always listen. And now people are like, you know that thing you were talking about, Chantel, or like a lot of police officers being really dodgy. Can you tell me more about that? And I'm like, yeah, police officers are really dodgy. <laughs> um yeah good points there um we've got some really good points coming in in the comments as well um we've we've got plenty of agreement and everyone's saying that uh they are massively in favor of what you both are saying um also um it says smashing the patriarchy and fighting capitalism aside everyone's hair is on point tonight that's from cat like, I feel that she's just been generous to me there. My hair is sort of like a dead animal that's crawled onto it. And, you know, it's out of control and I definitely need to sort it out. But I do appreciate that. that cat, but everyone else's hair is definitely on point. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, Jane Strange, how can you speak up for the character of someone who's done something that evil? Exactly. Exactly. Like, What kind of person gets up and says, yeah, they're all right. Bless him. Dear me. I can't get my head around that at all. It's unfathomable. Um, so let's relate this to the People's Assembly because I think that whoever was going to turn up, perhaps they've become uh, stranded without internet, perhaps they've just, something's happened or whatever, but they aren't going to be, like, it looks like they aren't going to be turning up. If they do, then we will do. We will say something. But Chantel, you are now representing all of the People's Assembly. Well done. <laughs> and all bus drivers are just like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all bus drivers now we're all bus drivers so um you know what is the people's assembly um like generally what is it and uh and then specifically what's tomorrow about so the people's assembly is kind of unifying the working class so you know we're all fighting like i'm blm i'm also like part of different organizations you have lgbt organizations free palestine we have a lot of different kinds of breakout groups on the left don't we and it's basically avengers assemble let's all get together and i don't know if i can swear but fuck the tories you know what i mean let's all get together because while we all fight for our individual causes and while we're all you know it's, it's about work, being working class and fighting against the oppression, often related to policies and it related to practices that the Tories have implemented. So it's let's come together and let's speak out against the Tories. Um, and, you know, what better place to do that than in front of the Tories? You know, let's hope they see us and hear us. So it's the Tory conference. Um, I think, did it start today? Or did the process just start today? I don't know. I think they're probably organising, are they? I don't think the conference yeah. has started today, but someone will let us know in the comments, I'm sure. Yeah, so it's the Tory conference from at least Monday, and the protests have started today, definitely, because I know Drive to Survive came, and I don't know if you drove the wagons and the horses, but they were planning to do a big camp house and a protest today. Um, 
But yeah, it's basically let's show them how we feel. So it's it's not going to be anything like the world transforms in terms of, you know, we're all getting together to kind of, you know, support one another and to speak about how we want the world to change. It's literally we're all getting together. A, to highlight the issues, but we want this, we want people to know what we think of the Tories. Like, I've been really surprised that we turned up in Manchester and thank you Paul for clarifying that that's just a logistical decision because I'm thinking, Manchester down the road from Liverpool. Well, they hate you as much as we do. Why are you there? Um, <laughs> I'd love for a Liverpool venue to just be the only option. I'd like to even try and get into Liverpool for the conference. That would be quite fun. So, yeah, it's highlighting some of the horrendous policies that they've implemented, you know, policies around policing, policies around immigration, policies around, you know, universal credit, just about everything. Even that's just in the last year. Everything they've done and, you know, talking about why we need to get them out and why we need to continue to challenge them. Because if we want to relate this conversation back to this case, you know, to say the Everard case, who has been legislating to give the police more power and less accountability for well more than a year, whether it be through the Chiz Act, whether it be through the Police Crime Sentence and Court Bill, whether it be through every piece of legislation that we keep on throwing to give them bigger power to stop, stop and search and less accountability. This is the police with accountability, and yet the Tories are, are determined that they won't have to answer to anyone. It's like, no, the police really do need to answer to people. So it's really important that when the Tories get to Manchester, they're not just met with like passiveness, they're actually met with resistance. Because if you're legislating, I'm quite far along in the legislation to silence protesters and to silence any dissent and any disagreement, we've got a really short time frame to tell them, really tell them what we up north think about them. And I, I can't wait to do that. I'm like, I know if I see pretty Patel because she's going to remember me. <laughs> she's only tiny, isn't she? She's very small, pretty Patel. Is she? Yeah. Yeah, apparently she's extremely small. I think she's under five foot. No. Yeah. But Keir Starmer's really small as well. Like, he's he? he's about, like, five, six, something like that. I didn't I know think. Think I've never stood next to him, but like they wouldn't let me. I don't think, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he's only little. Um, maybe it's a. Nah, it's not a thing. Um, so yeah, she, so you might not see her coming. You might not see her coming down the road. She might not be over the barriers. <laughs> I'll be on pretty watching, but yeah, I think they're more out in the open than the um, than Labour are as well. They have to like walk a little bit of a distance there in the building. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go camp out somewhere just as a surprise. That's a that's another that's another thing as well. It depends on the hotel. There are a few hotels right next to the venue, um, oh. so there there will be like hotels that they can lock down. And then just walk straight across to. So um, that might be another reason that they choose Manchester because, like around yeah. there, um, it's it's kind of a tight little unit. There's a it's, there's an arena quarter kind of thing. So um, it's yeah, that might be part of the reason they're not there. So we'll expect tomorrow we'll get a lot of sub stories. So the media will portray this as, look at these people, they've done all this thing through the pandemic, they've really cared about the world, they've really cared about the country, they've done such a good job, and this is how they're treated by this angry mob, do we think? I don't know if they can. I really feel like the Tories have positioned. I don't know who can defend the Tory at the moment, because they position themselves on the wrong side of history for just about any major issue, you know. We've got no oil, we've got no fucking gas, we've got no petrol, we've got no food, all because of Brexit. 
they blinking, you know, they've stood and told people they could be footballers and then gone, oh, hang on a minute, it's wrong to be racist. And then they've defended the police tooth and nail and said they're all really good people at a time when everyone in the country is just like, no, these are horrendous people. We need, like, you know, we need you to protect us from the police. And I think, what are they really going to be championing at, at this conference? What are they going to be saying? We did well, you know, we didn't kill like one in 20 people's hands. There's not much they did well this year. Um, there's not much they can, they can celebrate or say policy-wise they've done to help people. Um, and yeah, it's just, I hope it's as awkward as possible for them. And I hope there is that chance to kind of highlight it. So the process being sold tomorrow. Well, I just really hope that they do, that it's that kind of, interaction where they have to see the processors and they have to see what people think of them although i'm not sure it touches them because they're soulless demons aren't they yeah i think the thing the problem with that is we've got that is all factually correct but the tories don't deal with facts they will just manufacture any story and twist anything to make themselves look good and they say it so often that it just becomes fact and it gets reported in the media the big media um so that's that's kind of a job done and then the next thing happens so we forget all about this it's not going to be for you know i give it like 10 20 years we can look back on this and go jesus they were so bad <laughs> and we'll all be screaming god we knew we were trying to tell you and no one was listening um and it was absolutely it's just <laughs> i hate it i hate it because we can see what they're doing we can see the lies and we but we don't have the voice that the big media corporations have um to get that message out and that's another reason why independent media is so important because we just need to keep shouting about it and i really do hope that the protests get the the attention that they deserve um i do worry that it's just going to be it's going to be spun quite heavily isn't it it's going to be horrendous um I think Paul you're probably right I think they are going to go oh these protesters are just such awful people how dare they you know our 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 elected politicians are working so hard and ah it's going to just be a horror show (laughs) we saw that at the Labour conference though didn't we with um with the people who were protesting and like from from what I heard in the hall people were saying that they weren't allowed they were they were sort of told by some men who'd entered for Keir Starmer's speech that they weren't allowed to leave. You must stay in in order to make it look full. Otherwise, you're going to be um, kicked out of the party. This is something that I learned today. And then um, this is like a report. I don't have like verified sources or anything. So this is a bit of an anecdote. But they were saying that um, they felt like they were forced. And then they went to check with a student. They said, no, you can leave any time. And these people had just come in to try to keep people in the hall. And then the stories weren't about that. And the stories weren't about the police presence on the floor. The stories were about um, Keir Starmer being heckled. And then they twisted it to be about while he was, um, while he was uh, speaking about his mum. You know, it's a bit, a bit of a strange one there. So mm. hold on. I think I've got someone. I think I've got someone. Is it Ramona? Oh, no, we don't. They, oh. they did arrive. They did arrive for a second, but yeah. never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. If they, if, if it, whoever it was, I think it was Ramona was coming in there. I would accept him. She's watching now. Just come in and we'll, uh, we'll have you on. <laughs> but um, yeah. So what are they going to, what are they going to say about this Tory conference? Are they going to, are the media going to back them or are they? I, I don't know. 
I mean, you're probably right. Like the the media, you know what the media are like. And just like if one protester does something, they'll just zone in on like one thing. Do you know what I mean? Like the results did with JC at the um, Labour um, conference. So it's like, you know, they'll always look from the angle. Hello. Hello, Helen. Hello there. Sorry, it's raylastminute.com that I'm joining you. I've just literally been told about this meeting. <laughs> okay, okay. So you are currently live. You are being uh, you are being streamed. So uh, welcome to the show. And Thank uh, you. so, do you want to do a little introduction of yourself and um, and let yeah. us know a little bit about your role in the People's Assembly as well? Yeah. So um, I'm on the I'm a health rep on the People's Assembly committee. Um, the People's Assembly is a big umbrella organization that seeks to bring across the very best people from the trade union movements and the social movements. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to forge links with each other. We're trying to get people to share ideas. And basically, we're in Manchester at the moment because the Tory parties are having their the Tory party are having their conference in Manchester. So we're up here to unwelcome the Tories because the Tories have implemented um, a lot of policies that are very harmful for people. Um, for example, they have um, they've implemented austerity. They've um, cut benefits and um, they have driven down wages terms and conditions for working people so there's a whole raft of things that they're doing that are bad for society and bad for people so we're up here as the people's assembly and um, we've got a load of groups um speaking on our platforms we've got a big demonstration tomorrow right through the middle of manchester and basically we want to give a tory, the tory party a message that we are going to unite and organize against them and against what they're doing to working people so that's it in a nutshell basically um so we have a lot of people and um, we're supported by the trade unions um, drive to survive um, so many others waspy we support um, lots and lots of different campaigns it's really vibrant up here we've had a really good first day up here of events we've had the stop the war coalition up here um, we've had the climate emergency people um, we're doing an nhs event as well on monday and we're doing a women's event on tuesday and just so much more than that even so many i can't even like reel them off at the top of my head but it's just amazing really good atmosphere up here and really really good people joining our events and speaking on our platforms and supporting us um so earlier on in the show um Chantel's already been telling us a little bit about and she's speaking at quite a few of, of of your events as well so we've been talking about like um you know whether at the moment we're talking about like how the media are going to receive how the media are going to receive the People's Assembly because we know that the Tories have done these awful things, but we know that the media has always got the back. So are they going to spin it as being, um, as being, you know, um, these nasty people coming along, you know, these nasty working class people coming along and telling the Tories how bad they've done, they've had a very difficult year, or is it going to be something that's really going to expose people and how we're going to make sure that... Um, exactly what they've done has been exposed in a way that the media isn't doing and uh and i suppose like you know politically it's not really there at the moment is it that exposure is not really there of the tory party 
All we can do, like I said already, is just keep uniting across the trade unions and the social movements and keep speaking truth to power. I mean, we know the press, the press, like you say correctly, is on the side of the Tory government. We've had a lot of press interest, actually, in what we're doing in um, Manchester at the moment. And I think increasingly, um, so many people now are being plunged into poverty. Um, I see it in my job um, every day as a full-time official for the GMB trade union. People are being plunged into poverty, you know, even working people, 31% of children in this country are growing up in poverty at the moment. So I think increasingly people are starting to recognize that things aren't okay. Um, we're losing the NHS. It's been taken from us by stealth. People are waiting longer for appointments. We've got nurses in this country going to food banks. So many things are going wrong at the moment that I think people are starting to um, like recognize that, like I said, and we just have to keep speaking truth to power. We have to keep organizing in the trade unions, in the communities, linking up, sharing ideas, and um, we'll have to use different methods. Um, it's very diff difficult at the moment um, in, in, in a sense of um, the parliamentary um, work. So we have to um, use other methods, um, protests, direct action, industrial action. We'll have to go use all of those methods um, in the coming months and years in order to fight back. And originally the People's Assembly like always had the People's Assembly against austerity. Are we, is it still that? Are we, are we shortening it because we know what the People's Assembly is or is, is it still that massive anti-austerity movement? Do you know what? We're going to get even bigger. It's going to get even bigger because so many people now are flocking under our umbrella and so many groups, like I've said to you already. And I think right now people are going to be looking for a way to express um, their dissatisfaction with, with, with what's going on around them. Um, so we have the perfect vehicle really in the People's Assembly for them to do that. And like I say, whether you're an activist in trade union, um, whether you're an activist in a community or whatever, you can come and join the People's Assembly and get in touch with us, whatever organization you're a part of um, you'll be welcomed onto our platforms you can speak on our platforms we'll amplify people's voices you know we'll we'll link people together and i think we're going to grow even bigger in the coming period actually we certainly have not gone away that's for sure brilliant um, i'm going to ask laura and Chantel if they want to ask you anything or talk about anything now I'll let Chantal speak. I was just taking notes. Like, I'm just really excited to be there. Helen, what do you think our chances are actually getting in front of a Tory? That's what I want to do. I want to be in front of a Tory and I want to tell them how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, I've been in front of Tories myself. I mean, I can tell you about a time um, in Kingston Hospital um, where um, in my union we have um, cleaners, porters, catering staff outsourced to private companies. So I actually got in front of a Tory with one of my representatives. Matt Hancock was that Tory. And what we were trying to do was we were trying to fight for sick pay from day one for our members because basically um, with statutory sick pay, I don't know if people are aware of this, you don't get sick paid for the first three days. So what that meant was our members were going into a hospital when they were sick and infected, and it was a cross-infection risk for patients. So we were very concerned about that in GMB, and our members started to campaign for sick pay for day one. So we actually, um, off the back of that campaign, um, we had loads of protests, we had a big march through Kingston with all of our members. We got in front of um, Matt Hancock, um, and he promised he'd look into the matter. Um, so we raised the whole thing with him, but unfortunately, he didn't do anything. Thing. 
that was the problem. And we were still in the same situation with our members. And now, of course, he's, um, well, he resigned from government some months ago, didn't he? So, yeah, um, just getting in front of in front of the Tories, um, sometimes, unfortunately, um, you, you, you might not get the result you desire. But I think... Um, when you do things like when you um, the strike action in a trade union, you have protests, you have um, direct action, that tends to get the attention um, much more. And sometimes then if you fight back, you can get concessions as well. We've seen that with um, bad employers out there. We've seen that when we do, when our members do fight back all together as a united, powerful force, we do push them back. We do get concessions. So that's the best way. It's everybody coming together. Um, to make as much noise uh, as possible, really. And um, that tends to get a result in my experience. Did I answer your question? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, you're just desperate to get in front of Pretty Patel, aren't you? Um, I am. Um, We've got people coming in as well. Laura, I'll bring you in in a second. But um, we've got people asking questions as well. um, Kat's mentioned, would the People's Assembly encourage a call for a general strike? And Neil replied saying it's not really in your remit to do that, but like, you know, would would you be would you be encouraging calls for a general strike or supportive of one if people went for one? Well, I'm a trade unionist as well as um, on the um, as health rep and the People's Assembly. I do believe that it's important to coordinate our efforts and to coordinate action. Um, in terms of strikes, I mean, strike action is always ultimately up to our members. Um, in my union, we're a democratic member-led trade union. So if our members um, voted for strike action, of course, we would lead that, we would coordinate that, we'd protect people's work if they go on strike. Um, I'm in favour of coordinated action at the moment. I think it is necessary um, across the movement actually if we are going to defeat the Tories um, so I'll leave that there general strikes or whatever again like I said it's, it's um, lots of members across the trade union movement would need to agree to that before we could um, before we could um, do that um, but definitely we have to coordinate much better than we're doing I think out there I think um, the Tories and I think the big companies they're all very coordinated against us so I think we need to um, start building our strength as a movement um, to effectively resist what they're trying to do to us just to follow up on that uh, personally I think there needs to be a lot of education about what a trade union is and uh, and what what a trade union's power is and how much power how much power has been taken from us um over the years like thatcher blair and um subsequent all the all the subsequent um prime ministers you know like people don't seem to know anymore that trade unions are people who work in a place and I think there's a lot of work to do there because a, a newspaper can print a story and be like, like say, Cats Union, who's who's speaking there, she's a member of the RMT. And every time they go on strike, people are like, oh, unions are doing this. And you'll hear people going, oh, bloody unions didn't get into work. But if it was like, if they understood that unions were people who work in a place, then that's a lot more difficult to be nasty to and nasty about and say, well, you know, oh, people who work in a place have gone on strike. You immediately go, well, why are they on strike? Well, people say unions go on strike, you know, the the media have hammered that word union. So do you think there's an education to do as well? Oh, absolutely right there. And um, like I even find when I go around and speak to my members in my trade union role during the day, they have a misunderstanding, actually, of what a trade union is. And sometimes I think it's reinforced by us ourselves. Like they think that a union is just um, an insurance 
for if you have an individual problem at work. But what we, what I say to them is, look, use your union properly. You know, your union, be active in your union. You know, don't just pay your money month after month after month. Use your union, collectivize problems, because usually you'll find in workplaces um, problems like, say, for example, no sick pay from day one, for example, or some health and safety issues will affect everybody in that workplace. So it's about being organized. It's about, um, I became active in the union because um, we were threatened with um, having our wages pushed down following a restructure and nobody around me would do anything about it. And that's when I became a trade union rep myself. I thought I have to do something about this because no one else will. So I'd encourage anybody to um, not just join a trade union, but actually be active. You know, even if you can't be a rep, see what you can do to help the union. Maybe you can like put flyers about, maybe you can put communications about, you can be a workplace advocate, do something that that's a little bit that little bit more that will make a difference um so yeah so there is a huge amount of education to be done about what a trade union is how to use your trade union properly um you know and um every everything helps you know basically it's all hands on deck and you're absolutely right the members are the union um you're absolutely spot on there yeah i've been involved in strikes where i've been the trade union rep and it turned out subsequently i found out that people thought i was being paid by the union to do things and like people weren't as willing when when they went after me personally I don't know sometimes people don't get around you and that's one of the things I always tell people you know just get around your rep make your rep untouchable because they're the ones who are going to be speaking for you um just support them and that's that's another part of the education but anyway um Laura did you want to bring anything in here yeah, I just wanted to ask about um, the events that are happening. I know you guys are like really busy and you've had loads on the day and you've got absolutely loads all over the next few days. Um, for anyone who's not able to make it, is the People's Assembly going to stream any of it live? Is it going to be available later for people to watch and share and spread the message? Thank you very much for raising that because we are streaming all of it live on our People's Assembly Against Austerity Facebook page. Um, so please like our page and you'll see absolutely everything on that page. And you'll be able to play it all back, all every single event and um, the big protest tomorrow. It'll all be live on the page. So please tune in and um, please like our page. And this, this Manchester won't be the only stuff that we're doing. There's loads of stuff going on there. Um, so, yeah, and we're on Twitter as well at People's Assembly. So we're on Twitter. I think we're on Instagram as well, but I'm a bit um, old for Instagram, I'm afraid. I don't know how to use it. I'll hold my hands up. But for any people who know how to use Instagram, we're on there as well, apparently. So, um, so yeah, please do follow us. If you can't make it to Manchester in person, just um, follow us on the page. It's going to be all good stuff. There's going to be a big wall of sound, apparently, and there's going to be all sorts of interesting, creative um, things. And there's been a load of stuff that's gone on today that's all on the page as well. So check in with us and have a look. It's been pretty amazing. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely we'll share all the links and everything after the show as well for anybody who can't make it. But yeah, if you can make it, go down to Manchester and join in. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, amazing. Come and are, say are hi. You, are you convinced, Laura? Now are you going? Now? I feel like I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I'll have I'll have some lemp sip and then I'll go. Chantel's going to be there anyway, so you'll want to you'll want to party. You get. Yeah. Come and say hi. Come and shake hands. And yeah. definitely. We'll all see each other tomorrow. Um, we just yeah. need the weather. We just need the weather. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Fingers crossed. See, we've just done that weird thing where we met in real life for the first time last week. And it's like, it was so strange to see people in real life. And you're like, oh, I always find it strange guessing people's heights. You know, yeah. I've mentioned I've mentioned heights a few times tonight. I don't know. 
I'm getting obsessed. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so, yeah, um, right. So that's gonna that's gonna be going on tomorrow. Go and um, tell Monday the and Tuesday as well. Tomorrow, Monday, all and day Tuesday. Monday, all day Tuesday. Yeah, loads of stuff. Excellent, excellent. So, um, yeah, that's going to be absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, I've kind of forgotten where I was going to go after this because this has been a funny structure of a show and I'm kind of thinking where was I going to go next Laura can you remember where I was going to go next no sorry <laughs> oh um let's do some uh let's do some Tory bashing they hate it when we do this and because they 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 hate it when we um tell them the words they said and they say that's Tory bashing so um Boris Johnson this week, he said about how, uh, you know, forget about cancer rates, forget about life expectancy, you know, forget about all those things. The true thing that matters is um, wage growth for lower earners, apparently. That's the thing that, that's what leveling up meant. So it meant that some people at the on the bottom rung of the ladder get paid slightly more um, so that they now have to pay national insurance. And, uh, and you know, and that's gone up as well. And the fact that more people are dying of cancer, I think there's like 1,900 times more likely to die of cancer if you come from a poor background than it is from a, a richer background. And the life expectancy of the poorest people is dropping. Actually, in a place not far away from us in Teesside, it was um, lower than uh, Ethiopia. And the people from Ethiopia of um of around that age had, had been through a famine, so like you know that that life expectancy in Ethiopia would expect it to be lower, but in some areas of Teesside, the life expectancy is lower than Ethiopia. Um, so yeah, what do we think of Boris Johnson saying that those things actually don't matter? Do you want me to come in on that, or does yeah, else? you can do. Yeah, it's a free for all now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we know what the Tories are up to, don't we? Um, we've seen a rise in homelessness. 31% of all kids are now living in poverty. Um, so we know exactly what they're doing. What they're doing is they, and they did it during COVID as well, actually. They have taken, they've enri enriched their friends, the billionaires. You know, they, they spent 37 billion, I think it was, of public money on PPE and test track and trace and all these systems that failed us. Um, and in the meantime, they haven't, um, they, they, you know, people have been, more people, I think, signed on during COVID to, to, to have benefits than in any other time. Um, people are desperate. They've now ended furlough, so it's going to lead to a lot more people slipping into poverty. So we know exactly what the Tories are up to. They talk about the living wage and the London living wage. I mean, I challenge anybody to try and live on the London living wage in London. It's very, very low and rents and outgoings are extremely high. So we know that there's an agenda here to take from um, working people, working class people and enrich themselves and enrich um, their, their friends. You know, we know that's the agenda here. So I don't think and it's just up to us i think to um to make sure people know that really and to point out you know what's going on at the moment in terms of there's loads of statistics about it and um, one of the things i'll say about poverty it's very hard to stay healthy when you're in poverty um you know so you're absolutely right it is the very poorest people you know who will kind of get all sorts of um illnesses and conditions and they'll die younger 
etc it's really hard because um food warm shelter these are like the basic building blocks for human health and what we're finding is increasing numbers of people are losing those very basic things um so we're in a very serious situation which is why i'm so keen and the people's assembly are so keen for us to organize against this tory government i'm gonna do a question based upon that which is um Laura and Chantelle, you're both in a really interesting position here. So Chantelle from Liverpool, socialist stronghold, um, you know, so what, and Laura from Sedgefield, where the Tories have taken over, over here, and uh, our our MP, the Tory MP, people seem to really like him because what he does is he wanders around uh, basking in reflected glory. So he'll turn up at a food bank and smile or he'll turn up at a charity event and smile or he'll turn up with the unveiling of a plaque that Laura and her woman's banner group uh, managed to get up the first woman's woman's plaque in the hall of County Durham um, managed to get that one up and he's going to turn up to that one and smile and think that it's somehow like his glory. So... I suppose the question would be there, um, what is it, why do people in Sedgefield buy in to what Boris Johnson's saying and why do people in Liverpool not? So why do people in Liverpool not? Let's start with a positive one. I would say because the Tories have screwed us over so many times and we do not forget, so... You know, they almost crushed this city in the 80s. The kind of Margaret Thatcher wanted to promote the managed decline of Liverpool and it took everything we were worth to get ourselves back. Plus the way they treated the city in the wake of Hillsborough and just the way they continue to um, treat the city, whether it be the miners, whether it be the workers, whether it be the trade unionists. So we've got a strong working class community. But all of those things that, you know, Helen's mentioned, like increased poverty levels, lower life expectancy because some of the worst air pollution rates outside of London, probably near touch in London, and quite a um, low life expectancy here. So all of those issues are quite prevalent here, yet there is a very much a sense of unity and a sense of working class solidarity. And the you kind of you just grow up hating the stories. It's generational. So you know these are the we're the sons, daughters, and kind of children of people who worked in the factories, people who were laid off and forced, people who worked on the docks, people who lost loved ones to Hillsborough, people who read the newspaper when you know Boris Johnson said also like to wallow in their own self pity shortly before they ruled that we were like ninety seven of us died unlawfully. We don't forget, and they can't trick us. Um, they know that they can't trick us, so they don't make much of an effort with us. So they can't just avoid Liverpool and any conversations around Liverpool because they know that we're never going to believe what they say. It's a bit like the sun doesn't really bother with us anymore because they know that we'll never read it. Whereas in areas where they think they can, you know, nod to that popular spooks and kind of sway people and charm people, they'll try a little bit harder, they'll have a go. Um, so, yeah, I think Liverpool's drawn a line in the sands, basically, a we hate the Tories line and you can't come here and you can't come here peddling you. Absolute nonsense because we only have to step outside our doors to see what your policies do. And most of us have seen in our lifetime what Tory policies do because they hit cities like this the hardest. Um, so we resist that at all costs, um, which is something I'm very proud of. I like that we're a red wall and all socialists and all that. Yeah, we love Liverpool. Um, we also love where we live, though, don't we, Lauren? We're in a little um, 
a very very much a Labour voting village at least, uh, or, or or an anti-Tory village. Um, so, Laura, what's going on? What's going on up here? Well, I think Sedgefield's a really complex beast, actually. Um, it, it's not. Um, I don't really think the people of Sedgefield have necessarily really bought into or support the Tories as such. But um, you know, our history has, has been one of um, a neoliberal MP um, for quite some time. You know, we did have Tony Blair and then his friend following that. And I think the you know um, there were never really any. It, the Labour Party here was quite a closed shop. Um, people weren't really invited in. It wasn't like a community building version of the Labour Party. Um, and so people fit, felt like all MPs were the same. No one really represented them. Um, and then along comes Brexit and the opportunity for people to actually have a, a voice on something, whether they you know, understood it or didn't or really cared about it. The fact of the matter is people went out and voted. And then our MP said, sorry, you voted wrong so we're going to change our mind and that really impacted a lot of people um and I think then the Tories came along and kind of had the media behind them and had the spin and you know said all the right things at the right time and really hooked into some um discontent that was here um and now we have you know we're a Tory seat now um I don't necessarily think that represents the people of Sedgefield's thoughts I don't think I, I I don't think if there was an election tomorrow they'd, they'd necessarily vote Tory again and um, because we have seen that you know nothing's got better nothing's changed and in fact our MP might go around to different things that are happening but when it comes to really important stuff he's not really present um, and, and I think that the hyper local stuff like that is really important to get to get people engaged um, and you know um, like Helen was saying, we need to be working in trade unions. We need to have our little collectives all working together um, to offer something a bit different because the Tories aren't. Um, so I don't, but the, again, the fact of the matter is the Labour Party here as well, like we don't have an opposition as such. There's, there's nothing really to get excited about. There's nothing to shout about. And so things like the People's Assembly are going to be really, really important over the next few years because they will offer a direction for the people's voices here. Um, and so that's kind of what we'll be working on um, for the foreseeable. We'll be community groups, community organising, um, not necessarily having a label on that, like we are the Labour Party or we are this, that and the other. It will be a direction. Um, and I think that's what we need to do to engage with people again, because people just feel not listened to. Um, and that's a big problem. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. It's really interesting because I've had people say here that, um, that, you know, well, you know, it doesn't matter who like, you're a Tory anyway about about Labour, you're Tories anyway. So why would I vote? I might as well just vote for the Tories as well for you i've heard that said and uh also for years and years they were saying you, that you were liars and they don't respect democracy and things like that and then sort of proved it with a brexit thing um and that's the way a lot of people feel about that i'm not saying that's necessarily what happened but that's how people feel and uh tim dredge has mentioned a certain xmp putting out a certain leaflet in 2017 that the tories kept and used in 2019 might have been a factor too and that was uh yeah. about how much he didn't like jeremy corbyn and and so on and um 
you know, it doesn't really work, does it? It doesn't really work if you go around and put out a leaflet saying that, that, that your lead is terrible. It's just, uh, it's just bad politics, you know, it's, um, but then foolish. these people, the people who were shouting about that and now the people who were shouting saying, well, you know, you should get behind Keir Starmer. And I'm like, hang on a second. That could find, literally find tweets as you demonising Jeremy Corbyn when he was leader. So you can't have it both ways. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, so um, I'm just going to go to a few comments. There's a... Paul Paul is saying that uh, capitalism is indeed feeding the rotten corpse feasting on children's futures. Wow, um, that's pretty uh, pretty strong. Um, Cat create and the building blocks of this detrimental effect on our health and well-being is largely capitalism. You probably knew this, but she thinks capitalism sucks. Um, so and she was a bit harsher in her wording than that. Um, so yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so let's focus on capitalism for a moment because I think what the the People's Assembly are doing is very much focusing on the symptoms of capitalism and the symptoms of austerity and, you know, highlighting all those things which definitely needs to be done. It's definitely like, look, this is the real impact it's having on the world. But what is it like... Why is it that people aren't getting more angry about the fact that, like, over the pandemic we had uh, the billionaires increasing their wealth by a third over the space of a year? Now that's astronomical. Is it like because they don't understand those figures? Is it because this is like not considered to be big news by the billionaire owned media? Is it like kind of a mixture of these things or is there something else underlying? Do people not understand the economy? What is it? Um, and I know that's a massive question, so I'm sure everyone will have a different <laughs> opinion. Chantelle, I'll start with you. I think it's a case of people have just been so busy surviving like you know have you got a job haven't you got a job you know are the kids going to school and it's just been the state of so many people like so many people I know have just been destroyed and saying to the mental health and just the general well-being and still haven't recovered and so it's like we you know you can kind of say small businesses have gone under small businesses have been tanked by the many many lockdowns that we've had and yeah you know, Amazon's boom and, and previous small business owners are now delivering for Amazon. So it doesn't take, you know, a genius to see where the money is going and what's going on and kind of how a real pandemic has been exploited by those in power to make as much money as possible. And it's sickening that the NHS is still being just systemically dismantled and we're being pushed and pushed further towards privatisation. Like the waiting times just in the doctors and in the hospitals at the moment is just through the roof. But it's all really this well-crafted machine. And I feel like this is why events like the People's Assembly and to an extent the AIM will transform the week before are really powerful because I feel like splitting us up, putting us all online, you know, closing us all off in our homes, it just can make you feel so disempowered, disengaged and kind of disheartened in terms of fighting back. Yeah, you can see it, but you've got a gas and lecky bill that you need to pay. Kids need food and your house is freezing. So I'm going to worry about that first. But coming to events like the People's Assembly and coming together, you need that buzz, you need that kind of we're getting together as a class, you need to feel it as a community and go, do you know what? No, I do see it and I'm going to find the energy to face it because we all need to find the energy to face it. We need to kind of, it just feels like what next? And I feel like the stories are just playing like this mind trick with us of well, what can I try next, you know? I'm going to tell you all to lock down and then I'm going to stand in front of my CCTV camera and get up close and personal with my assistants. It's like, no, you know, I'm going to tell you all to stay in your houses and then I'm going to drive to a castle to test my eyesight. 
they just it's like it's literally like the gaslighting us and then just laughing about it and we're all just like we'll take it but I do feel like we're reaching that point of you know we're not going to take it anymore we're not going into another year of being exploited or being told that our you know our national insurance is going up and universal credit is going down but I do think it's massively it's you know, capitalism at its absolute worst, every which way that they can bleed or strive for money, they are doing so. Every which way they could profit out of this pandemic, they are doing so. And they will continue to do so. The Tories don't stop just because it's the right thing to do. Like, I don't think they know <laughs> what the right thing to do is. They only stop when enough people make a fuss um, and when enough people stand up and resist them, which again is why the People's Assembly is really important. Yeah, absolutely. They'll do anything as well to get elected, won't they? Or they'll say anything to get elected. So, like, if you put enough pressure on, then they may have to change and they may accidentally do a good policy once once every now and then. Um, Helen, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I think it's a mixed a mixture of factors like um, Chantal and Laura already outlined. You know, mixed histories in different parts of the country, mixed consciousness, and then overall consciousness um, politically is quite low because we've had years of Thatcher and all of these sort of governments that, um, well, basically there's just been a dumbing down of consciousness of people. um, And there's been um, an actual um, coordinated effort actually to take the Labour Party away from the people as well. That's very important that people recognise that. I know people have told me that years ago, Labour Party Young Socialists, there was huge pact meetings many, many years ago, and it was all it all just moved away. Um, you know, when Kinnock came in, etc. There was a, there was an effort there to take it away from the class. You know, and it's very important that we recognise that. Um, I think, like I said already, the mass media as well there's a dumbing down as well educationally i mean the tv etc could be a fantastic educational tool it's not that is it i mean it's not that at all you know um and i think as well like chantelle just said it's people surviving people just worrying about the basics of eating and you know keeping their houses warm and keeping the kids fed i think people are really struggling now and it takes a lot for people to get involved um politically to go to those late night meetings um to go to that extra union meeting you know maybe when they're juggling two and three jobs because that's the case for some of my members in the hospitals you know they have to do two or three jobs to survive now and clock up 60 or 70 hours a week and that doesn't leave much time to be active um sort of in the wider movement um and the other factor i think as well is that people i've been lucky in my life because i've seen the power of collective action and i've seen that um within the trade unions particularly i've seen that several times i've been lucky i've seen what that can achieve i've seen how that can push bad employers back um but many people won't have seen it you know, they won't have seen it. They won't know and they won't, tr- you don't trust it until you see the power of it with your own two eyes, you know. So um, there's, there's multiple factors there and um, why, why, um, why it's difficult for people at the moment, I think. Hmm. Laura, did you want to come in? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go over old ground. I entirely agree with everything that um, Chantal and Helen have said there. But I think um, for starters, you know, the system, the political system is designed in a way to keep working class people out. It's not interesting unless, you know, you really have to want to know about what's happening. You really have to listen and learn about the archaic structures that are in place and how Parliament works to get involved in that respect to make a difference, which you know, let's face it, no one's got time to do, you know, um, everyone here's already said, you know, we're too busy trying to feed our kids, trying to get them to school on time, trying to do a day's worth of work, trying to just keep the bills paid. Um, 
and so there's obviously that is a massive element as well we are being kept down because you know obviously that's where we belong um and and but that's for a reason it's so we don't have the energy to fight back so this system has been designed this way for that very reason because we are the numbers we you know if we did all collectivize if the working class did get together you know we could take on anything because th there's more of us essentially you know there's many many more of us um but also i think one of the main problems is as well we've been since probably before thatcher actually we've been fed this myth of um one day it could be you you could be this rich you could be this successful and you know that's perpetuated with things like x factor um you know things like that these entertainment shows that that do make you think oh well actually you know one day i could be rich and famous and be a billionaire and i wouldn't want my money taxed and there's always that hope in the back of, of, of working class people's minds that one day they'll get out and be be better than they are um rather than having it told the, the honest truth that actually you find the way you are you are just not being given all the things that you deserve and need to be able to get um get through every day and with that neoliberal agenda comes looking over the fence at your neighbor what have they got um you know we've been pitted against our neighbors for so long now um and we you know the government successive governments have handily pointed the finger at our enemy whether that's immigrants or people with a tiny bit more money than us you know or you know all these people who are handily offered up on a plate to us as our enemy actually just detract from the real enemy, which is, you know, the, the powerful corporations, the governments who are looking after each other um, rather than the people they're elected to look after. Um, and so it is just keeping us sort of in this little bubble of just looking at what we're looking at. And it just feeds back into what Helen's been saying all along that. <laughs> we all need to come together as a class. We need to be collective and fight back because unless we do it in our masses, we're just shouting, you know, we're just howling at the wind. <laughs> um, but we can make a bloody loud noise if we all come together and do it together. And I really love the idea of, you know, having all these different groups, all with different um, different agendas, different um, fights that they want to fight. I, I love that. But then if we can all come together, um, under things like this that, you know, and get together and fight things that really are important, that affect us all, then that's just got to be the way our country goes forward. And that is the way our country should be run, really. We shouldn't just have one diktat at the top who's got all the money and all the power and just tells us what's best for us. You know, that's um, Fabian socialism, our best dictatorship at worst, you know. So, yeah, collectivism um, is, is the way out of it. That was sorry. That was ended up being a really lengthy rant, didn't it? <laughs> the length of very popular. <laughs> I took notes. It was amazing. <laughs> it was very popular. We've had a lot of comments. I know that sometimes you're like, why? No, why? Why? Why is uh, everyone getting a compliment but me? Sometimes we have these at the end of a night where. It's because, uh, and I was like, they do. You There's just don't see them. There's loads of them. There. Yeah, it's, we were talking about this last week. We've all got imposter syndrome. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's basically the billion. It's the billionaires versus the billions, isn't it? That's the that's the problem we've got. You've had forty years of think tanks. So I, this is why we're called socialist think tank, actually, because they really can't like the the there's think tanks are funded in order to sway opinion, aren't they? 
but we don't have any funding so we need lots of people in order to get involved and that's our whole reason to exist is for loads of people to get involved with this and it's the exact same thing as the as the people's assembly it's so important to share these ideas and get those ideas out into the mainstream and get this way of thinking changing because we aren't we just can't compete with the people who've got billions and billions of dollars in America who are funding these things using their tax systems to avoid tax by like paying into a non not for profit, which is uh, basically telling people that they shouldn't tax them. You know, it's a it's a really awful system. It's really bleak. I suggest you do some uh, like if you people at home if you if you want some uh, information on that dark um is it dark money? That's a really good book on this topic. It's um yeah it's it's about how they organize against us to make us think these really really bizarre opinions that actually go against human nature i think so like the idea that like you know we aren't a collective and we are just individuals that's actually a very unnatural way to live and it's a, a really horrible way to live i think and most people don't behave like that when it comes down to it and i truly believe that most people are socialists at heart um right we're going to have our final words now because we've only got like eight minutes left so um laura are you going to do the uh the thing at the end for us where you tell yeah, us what to do and, and then uh we'll also do a nice plug for people's assembly so i'm gonna come uh well that's what i'll do firstly i'll come to helen from the people's assembly so is there anything that you would like to leave us on tonight um, I want everyone to get involved. I want people to sign up to the People's Assembly. I want people to check out our events. Um, if you're in a workplace, I also want everyone to join a trade union and not just join a trade union, get active in one. Preferably do both. Be involved in the social movement like the People's Assembly. Be involved in your trade union. Try and link up both. That's what I'd love to see happening. And just be active. That's the, my key message to everybody. Um, you know, to get out there. Um, yeah, that's what I want to leave people with. Brilliant. And, and, and thank you so much for your contribution. You've been, you've been absolutely amazing and our viewers have really enjoyed you as well. So uh, thank, thank you, you so much. And we, after this show, what we do is we, we stay around for a couple of minutes and have a off air chat just for a minute to say bye bye and things like that. So when I say bye to the audience, please don't go anywhere and we'll have a little chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next, I'm going to come to Chantel, who's an absolute superstar as always. Hey, um, so yeah, just to echo what Helen has said, I feel like sometimes people are waiting for the right moment to get involved in activism, and there will never be a moment as right as this. Like, the Tories are literally taking away most of our freedoms and they're systematically destroying the working class. Like, literally, if it's just as much as going online and watching a protest that face or going online and watching the People's Assembly or coming to something and standing in the background, there is a place for absolutely everything, everyone in the working class movement. Please get involved in any way that you can. You know, Helen's spoken about joining your union, but being proactive in your union or going to, you know, your local CLP meetings. Just get involved in any way you can, whenever you can. Do you know what I mean? I know we're all really, really busy, but I got involved in activism 18 months ago because I was angry at the police for being racist. I'm still angry at the police this week for being sexist, but I've never looked back and I've sat kind of found welcoming like-minded people as well as people who challenge my thinking as well as people who grow me as a person. So please get involved because all of our rights are being stripped away from us as we speak and we need to fight for them. And as everyone here has said, the Tories do not give anything away freely. So we need to be fighting and bringing the party to them, which we will be this weekend when we have them. <laughs> 
thank you so much and you've been amazing nice. as always and thank you so much for last week as well like you know i know we said it at the beginning but you're the you're the best roving reporter we could possibly have hoped for it was amazing thank um, you. <laughs> um laura yeah just thanks to uh helen and Chantel so much for coming on the show tonight it's been brilliant as always absolutely love it even though i'm full of cold i really enjoy these chats <laughs> um yeah, really, really seriously, get on to the People's Assembly Facebook over the next few days. Watch all of the things that they've got coming up. Um, it'll really get you enthusiastic about the movement, which is what we need. Share it um, far and wide. Get people involved. Um, yeah, um, join Socialist Think Tank. You can become a member of Socialist Think Tank for free. We are socialists, so we, you don't get anything special if you contribute. However, if you do decide to donate and contribute, it is very much appreciated so we can continue to make these shows for you. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. Yeah, Helen, all of the ones that I don't understand either. <laughs> We're everywhere, so come and find us, get involved. Um, if you become a member, you sort of, join our discord chat and get behind the scenes footage and all of that and then we drag you onto one of these shows and then you we never let you go so um yeah please do join us and don't forget to like share and sub sub subscribe thank you so much and thank you to our viewers and our listeners on podcast as well um and we will be seeing you all very, very soon. So I'll say thanks to Kat, Jane, Mick, Neil, Paul. I'm just going to read up a few just so I can do a few. And if I miss you, then that's because there's lots and lots of comments. Um, and uh, yeah, Tim. And uh, I think I'll leave it there. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you for contributing. It's your comments as well that make this show so um, like so enjoyable for us to do because we can see your comments and everyone at home can see the comments and it's really nice to see you interacting with each other across different platforms as well and uh yeah so keep on doing that please and tell everyone that you know who might be interested to have a watch and have a listen or have a share or whatever and uh get involved and take care everyone and we will see you soon Keep the red flag flying here